All right, you ready for this? Ready. Tom Salami of Device Talks. Welcome back to the Device Talks Weekly Podcast. We've got a very special episode for you today, but first I want to just explain a, a bit of a technical issue. I forgot my headsets at home, so I'm in the hotel room at the Santa Clara in uh, at the Hilton in Santa Clara, recording this intro. But the uh, the podcast today will have great sound because we recorded it live, live on stage from the Device Talks Weekly Podcast. We had a wrap up conversation at the very end of the meeting. And uh, we'll get into the details of that in a moment. I first want to take a moment just to thank everyone who was part of Device Talks West. It was a fantastic two days, lots of energy, great insights, great information, great networking, great contacts. Everyone was so happy. It was just wonderful to be amongst MedTech people again. And uh, we had a terrific opening session. We had great partner, great meetings with partners uh, and sponsors. So uh, I just... I, I really couldn't have envisioned it going any better than it did. So thank you to everyone who was part of it. That includes our sponsors. That includes our content partners, all the OEMs who sent their best and brightest to share their solutions to uh, their healthcare problems. And of course, to the hundreds of attendees who were there on hand, filling every room, asking questions, being part of the process. And uh, I hope learning to med tech better, making better connections. And uh, everyone who was there, Everyone I talked to who was there uh, left, I think, feeling uh, inspired, and uh, that's what we really try to do. So thanks again to everyone who is part of Device Talks West. This podcast is, uh, once again, we did this in Boston. We're doing it again. We're going to do a summation of the two days. I have on stage with me Chris Newmarker, my podcast partner, the executive editor of Life Sciences at Mass Device. We have Sean Hooley, associate editor at Mass Device. Kayleen Brown, our fantastic managing editor at Device Talks, who spent uh, day, her days not only moderating panels, but also interviewing folks downstairs in our Device Talk studios on the expo floor. That's something we did for the first time. We'll definitely do that again. And finally, we were joined by Joe Mullings of the Mullings Group, who always break, brings great insights and observations on the medtech industry. I'm also grateful to the Mullings Group for their help in promoting Device Talks West with the great content that I recorded down in their studios. So uh, great two days. Uh, I can't really thank everyone enough for uh, for just being part of that. It's uh, so enriching and rewarding. And uh, I'll let the interview take it from here. But uh, once again, I'm just so very grateful. So before we begin, uh, I think we'll I think I'll have a sign off at the end. No, I won't have a sign off at the end. Just follow us on LinkedIn. We would all love to connect with you. And uh, we want to make sure we're, we're letting you know what's happening at Device Talks. We have a lot going on, a lot of great products coming out. And, of course, Device Talks Boston is happening on May 1st and 2nd in Boston. We're already working on that agenda. And uh, I've already got some ideas to make Device Talks West, which is taking place next, next October in Santa Clara, better as well. So uh, make sure you're connected to all of us, Kayleen Brown, Chris Newmarker, Sean Hooley, myself, connect with Joe Mullings. He's a great guy to follow. And, of course, connect to Device Talks and mass device. All right, once again, I'm going to play this a wrap-up panel that we did at the conclusion of Device Talks West, and uh, we'll be back with our regular Device Talks weekly podcast programming next week. Thank you, everybody in Device Talks land. 
Hey everybody, this is Tom Salemi. Welcome back to the Device Talks Weekly Podcast. We're here at the Santa Clara Convention Center, live in the glorious theater, which has a name, but I can't remember what it is. But uh, it's a great space, and we've had so many great keynotes and conversations here in this room and in our other four track rooms. And it's my pleasure to be here on stage with my podcast partner, Chris Newmarker. Chris, hey, good to see you. Good to be here, Tom, in person. In person, that's right. And we're joined by... Fast Five Guys, Sean Hooley, Associator of Mass Device. Thank you for letting me join today. Do you have five things you're going to say today? No. Okay. <laughs> Setting expectations low. I love that. All right. Joined by Kayleen Brown, our extraordinary managing editor who has been uh, interviewing and moderating uh, nonstop for two days. Welcome, Kayleen. Well, thank you, and thank you for the extraordinary compliment. Oh, my gosh. I've been so impressed by uh, what's gone down on our exhibit floor. And happy to bring back Joe Mullings, our uh, in-house expert on all things MedTech from the Mullings Group. Joe, welcome. Thank you, Tom. Appreciate the opportunity. You like that little shift of the voice? All things MedTech. I don't know where that came the from. MedTech I'm, megaphone. Uh, MedTech megaphone. I am high on conference adrenaline right now. You're a pro, Tom. You're a pro. <laughs> so here we are. We actually have people in the room. God bless you folks for staying past, uh, past the end. Woo! Let's get folks in the room. <laughs> Uh, let's, so let's talk about the, the, the past two days. Chris Newmarker, you've been uh, sitting in many sessions. Uh, what were some, uh, well, let's start with one key takeaway, lesson, experience, joke, whatever you want to share that you, you've learned over the last two days. Only a clean well, joke, though. I just say, and I, I'm, I'm cribbing a little bit off of Joe here, but I mean, I, I definitely. He hasn't even know, gone yet. Yeah, we've been, we've been chatting. We've so been he'll chatting. be cribbing off you. I'm just saying, I'm like, I, I didn't come up with this totally on my own here, but I mean. Oh, we all steal from each other. Yeah, Don't there you go. It. It's true. But I mean, I, I kind of definitely got the feeling that like we're, we're just beginning to treat brain conditions. That's going to be a significant area of growth for, for med tech. And I, 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 I especially got that feeling on a, a panel that I moderate today with uh, executives for Boston Scientific and Brain Labs, and they were describing a partnership that they, they'd had to develop real-time brain imaging software that enables faster, more effective you know, placement and programming of deep brain stimulation systems. But they, they were saying that they were, they were just, they're just at the start of like, learning what they could do with this, you know, and like, what, what they could... And the same thing went with a panel that I uh, mod, moderated yesterday in neuromodulation, that they're just beginning to figure out like, what they could do with that that technology. Yeah. Uh, and, and we were talking about this earlier, and I really think brain is the new heart, right? So, so when you think about the big leaps that happened in device over the last 40 years, we've pretty much saturated the cardiac market, right? You had that logarithmic uptake, right? Balloon angioplasty stent, drug eluding stent, structural heart. But now you start to flatten out there, even if it's imaging diagnostics, and eventually you get the AI in. And we did that from open surgery to lap, to robotics, and now you sort of got incremental increases across the board. And the brain, I think, is a brand new frontier. Mm -hmm. And you know, you look at what Imperative's done and a lot of other platforms, you're gonna have over the next five to 10 years, that logarithmic jump again. It's the last organ I think we're gonna see that with. So you're gonna see a more investment money go in there. You're gonna see a lot of acquisitions go in there. You're gonna see roll-ups. Um, go in there that will then be platform companies that I think the big strategics will have to buy because the franchise is so so large. But I think, I, do we know the brain as well as, as we know the heart? I mean, I agree. I think the technologies are advancing. I think the business models are advancing too. I think We we're, definitely don't know the brain as well as the heart. I mean, yeah. that's what's 
kind of exciting about it. Yeah, no, and, and I, but I'd see, uh, I, I'm only no, I missed your panel because I was doing my own panel, but Cognito Therapeutics raised a lot of money early this year and they have an interesting space. Uh, I think they, I don't know if they're looking at sort of going to the, the DMA space, space of having devices brought home. There seemed to be a lot of movement and neuromodulation in terms of getting these devices into the hands of the patients. I mean, Cognito was exciting because, I mean, they're talking about using, uh, like, like using, using neuromodulation to treat Alzheimer's. I mean, that's... Yeah, that's, 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 that's amazing stuff. Uh, I, we're talking about brain and neuromodulation. I don't want to point to someone unless they, they have something to add. Kayleen, do you have something to add? I have a yes. You should have developed a system. You want to, like, yeah. do we tug or rub our noses or something? I just... I, it's a yes and. So I completely agree with Joe, and I get what you're saying, Chris, but I want to do an and to that. So I moderated a pediatric device panel earlier where we were talking about you know, heart devices and cardiac devices, but the innovation in that space is actually bringing the devices smaller, and I think that's where we can see some cardiovascular innovation. Uh, but to your point, Joe, I mean, I do think I, I do think brain may be the new heart, but we can still revisit other innovations in older spaces, but you know, kind of reinvent the, the size and the functionality and who it's serving. And one of the real takeaways from that panel was, you know, looking at pediatric devices not for the you know aged zero to 18, but the fact that they have 60 years of life after that. So how do you build devices that increase and improve the quality of life post aged 18? Mm -hmm. That's where the innovation, I think, can come. And, and the, the panel that you um, uh, moderated was really good. And, but you look at what they said. Look at the feature improvements. Lower profiles, right? Taking a complex device and making it simpler so you can take it out of the hands of the super gifted operators and how can you bring it down to the average operator. Mm -hmm. So to me, those are incremental increases. Incredibly important. But when you have these logarithmic jumps, I think the brain is going to have those more than any other organ moving forward. And when we say the brain, do we talk just neuromod or do we talk about neurovascular as well? Talking neurovascular, I'm yeah. talking, you know, the, one, what was it yesterday on the, um, the panel with Imperative? Think about what the brain does. Emotions, attention, speech, motion, behavior, social interactions, yeah. all quality of life things. And so, you know, as we look at that, you've got electrical, you've got uh, vascular, um, and then you've got other things that we don't even know about. We haven't mapped it yet. So you can take all of that and really has not been a lot of innovation there, so to speak. And I think we've already saturated coronary, cardiac um, in that area. It, again, there needs to be so much innovation. I mean, I was, I was looking up a stat on the CDC the other day. I mean, somebody has a stroke in this country every 40 seconds. Someone dies of a stroke every two, min two minutes in this country. I mean, there needs to be innovation. Right. And the bar's pretty low on treatment. Mm -hmm. right. It's pretty low on treatment, so. Right. Continued care. Yeah. You know, kind of, again, another yes and. So the bar is really low about you know, stroke treatment and neurovascular treatment, but uh, you know, helping support the patients who are post-treatment. You know, the bar is very low there, too. But I'm seeing innovation out of Can Do Health um, and other organizations that are trying to chip in there. So, yeah, maybe, maybe brain is the new heart. Well, it was interesting to talk with Fred Kashravi of Imperative Care about their approach to treating stroke patients post-intervention with devices. And, and that seemed to be a theme that was kind of emerging a lot. And again, I, was, I said at the time, I wasn't sure if it was because I'm aware of this theme and now I'm starting to see it or if it's just starting to emerge, but medical device companies seem to be adopting a new language where they're not just developing a device, but they're treating patients. And we've always said that, and it's true, but I think we've always seen that treatment of patients ending with the devices, the deployment of the device. Are we seeing 
are we seeing a, 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 a changing in how medical device companies will be looking at treating patients and helping patients going forward? Is there going to be a more holistic approach, or is it a mission that only a few can really undertake? You've talked to the VCs, talked to PE, talked to the large strategics. They're more interested now in platform technologies, mm -hmm. where in the past we would buy a device that solved the problem, and still we do. But the platform technology development is really where now you're going to start to look for a full therapy. We're old enough to go back to the EV3 days, mm -hmm. right? So those four properties by themselves were, eh, good. But when you rolled them up, yeah. it became a platform play. And then it became a very interesting play for, at that time, COVID and Medtronic. And so I think you're going to see more platform development, and the venture community wants to see more platform development versus single device. And as a platform development, is it a... Is it a Look at imperative. So yeah. as an example, it's but a platform development. Is it is it to be, obviously it's to benefit the patient, but I also can see, and maybe not in the case of imperative, but overall, if you treat the whole patient, the whole disease, your results are better. Your inter, I guess your interaction with payers is better. You're, you're actually impacting things, and it's something that you can, is it something that's going to help medical device companies make a better business case for? So I think what you're going to do is you're going to start to see, and I think I know where you're going right now, so we're going to Good. start to look for subclinical signals in monitoring, right? So if, if I can, uh, who was it? Dave talked about it. Rosa talked about it today. Is, is Intuitive going to make a smaller robot eventually? Yeah. Right? Well, you can only make a smaller robot if you're using a different sort of application because just based on physics and what they do and the forces you need, where they are right now in robotics is really important. But if you can start to get subclinical signals out of monitoring of individuals, and you can intervene earlier before it's a catastrophic or episodic of grandiose surgery, well, then you've got a platform that then moves down to subclinical from a diagnostic all the way through therapeutic. So you've got platform technology development that way, mm -hmm. right? So yep. you, can, you can treat the therapeutic side really early subclinical before it becomes, maybe it's a lifestyle change, maybe it's a pharmaceutical change. So you're going to start to see the inclusion of pharmaceuticals, biotech, device, harmonizing towards a convergence, and that diagnostics really early to catch the monster when it's tiny. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Kayleen, was your and your observation, or do you want to and your and with another observation? I, I have an and, 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 <laughs> um, but I feel like we're, we're still on a kind of a specific track, but I, I am interested in talking about sort of these cross um, divisions working together in collaboration. I'm sure we'll get to that. No, let's continue, please. Oh, yeah. So I think the, at the beginning of the podcast, Tom, you had asked sort of what themes or common takeaways that we've been seeing. So for the past two days, and uh, as you mentioned, Tom, I've been behind the camera on the stage, uh, so I've had the privilege of really hearing from people a lot smarter than I am, uh, how they see medical devices and their role within it. And the common theme across the board, with no exceptions, has been collaboration. And Joe, you were talking about how collaborating with VC, with the clinicians, collaborating um, with uh, the OEMs, like this kind of group collaboration, and then perhaps starting or intervening early is really where you're gonna be able to drive innovation faster and more effectively and safer and even potentially serve more diverse populations. So there's been this complete recognition, and this is what I'm hearing over the last few days, that we need to open up communication. We need to have more seats at the table and we need to fill those seats 
and fill them with diversity from the people who are on the front lines, mm -hmm. the, the clinicians who are actually using the devices, and even maybe patient advocacy, so the patients who are experiencing um, you know, their, their health from a different perspective, um, the large OEMs, the manufacturers, the suppliers, I mean, really every point of the medical device product continuum, if we can get around the table and get there sooner, there's less obstacles in the way. Mm -hmm. There's more option to course correct. And then it really kind of builds this feedback loop. So if we go through the end of the cycle and then it goes to market, we continue asking the questions from all the stakeholders that I mentioned, then we go back again and we continue iterating and improving those devices for, for better health outcomes. That's mm -hmm. been a fantastic takeaway. There, there, was, there was a common thread, uh, Fred Quatravi's, uh, Holly Scott's, uh, and Todd mm -hmm. Houston on panel. There was, Tom Tess said it uh, when, when Holly opened it yesterday. Tom Tess said, if every single person in your organization, whether it's admin, the engineer, if they can't articulate very clearly the workflow that your device is involved in and the impact that it has either on removing time, increasing outcomes, reducing cost, then your organization is not positioned properly. Hmm. And, and that revolved around talking about engineering and a career in med tech, right? Mm -hmm. but, but it was so important because if the entire organization cannot truly articulate what it is that your device is doing and why it should exist in the first place to all the stakeholders, the financial, the, the, the nursing, the clinician, the interventionalist, the surgeon, the payer, the provider, if you can't articulate that, I think you're missing a major gap. And that's where I think that these smaller organizations that mm -hmm. haven't sort of develop that entropy, because the more complicated you get, the heavier it is to move messaging through it. That's where these nimble organizations um, uh, uh, like Shifamed, like Imperative, who were here and, and, and very active in this last two days, that's where they have an advantage. Mm -hmm. And I think if you solicited anybody in any of those organizations, I'm going out on a limb, they could probably articulate everything as to why that device exists. Oh. Kaylee and I had the pleasure of visiting, visiting Chief Ahmed the day before the conference, and I seen Natin Saluka out there in the audience. And uh, I was struck by just the energy of the place. Just walking through, I f I'm like, this looks like a really fun place to work. Like, everyone was engaged, everyone was excited, everyone was looking at monitors, you could feel energy. And they do seem to have a, a commonality, and they do seem to have a way that they've, they've brought the medtech messaging across the board to everyone we talked to. Everyone we bumped into was, like, very, very interested in, in having us being interested in what they were doing. They're very proud of what they were up to. And we got to see some, some cool clot busting, clot sucking technologies that was, that was pretty neat. It really was the highlight of my week and no <laughs> offense to Vice Talks Wack. We're right here. <laughs> it was really such was a fun job we have that clot busting <laughs> sucking technology is like it the high point. Of finger. The... It was very cool. I got to hold it. <laughs> in Sounds my like hand. a t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> no, really Tom though, I mean it made me fall in love with the industry all over again because sometimes we're so siloed, especially when we're behind um, Zoom all day that we for me, anyway, sometimes I feel like I'm losing my North Star. Yeah. Um, but being in an innovation center where, to your point, Joe, I mean, the, it's not just you know sharing of resources for a more, a more nimble community, but sharing of ideas. And I think that's really where the energy came from, knowing that there's kind of this open door, literally and figuratively, policy of sharing ideas, lessons learned, and how can we share what we've learned, what we have, our resources, to move health forward quicker. I mean... 
oh, I'm still riding that high. <laughs> That's great. Sean, you were manning the, the diabetes rooms, and I'll get back to get your thoughts on that in a moment if you want to get them together. But we'll go around the, the table. Joe, have you, have you offered your, your, your own observation yet, or are we still kind of work in the circle. Do you have something else from the... the yeah, there's days? something else that I think is important to talk about. You know, um, I, I love the category that avails in right now. I really love that category. And I also love the category of the hub and spoke on the treatment of stroke. I love both those categories. My challenge is it's not an if. They're totally going to be here. It's a when. Because when you introduce a technology that is con in, in such a sweeping way changes the workflow of infrastructure, albeit for the better, for everybody involved, the inertia involved in that workforce in order to impact it in such a way um, is gonna take a while. And I think organizations like Avail or, and, and, and the Hub and Spoke on the stroke side um, could be one of the most important categories to get hold in healthcare but it's a pure workflow infrastructure change across the board. And I don't know how we get there, right? And, 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 and whether it's Avell or Care Syntax or Proxima or Theodore, all of those are really important. Mm -hmm. um, but it requires such change for the large OEMs. It requires change in centers of care. It requires change in go-to-market commercial people. And to, to make that happen, it will be, it's not an if, it's a when, and I don't know when that is. And if there's one thing we can do right now, it'd be push through that category, that telepresence category could make all the difference in the world for the patients, the payers, providers, and the 18% of our GDP. Mm -hmm. But I don't know how that happens. And whoever figures out how to do that, so you gotta have the product, but you also have the have to way to implement that product. What? And are you gonna run out of money before you get the engagement? What's the what's the roadblock there? Is it the technology? Well, I, they, I, I, doing. I mean, they they're packing. It. Everybody's doing great. Yeah. I'm not saying yeah. they're not doing great. Yeah. But that's one of those that it's like the fax machine. The fax machine became more valuable the more fax machines there were. Right. Good point. Okay. Yep. Yep. And 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 so you know, Hani talked about it. He said, and I quote, "You can't dump the tech on the hospitals, mm -hmm. right?" And I do a lot of work in that telepresence space. Space, and the biggest barrier to entry is trying to get the digital transition of the provider community to understand what does success look like for the clinician, the CFO, the charge nurse, um, all the users. And you can get initial adoption, but ongoing utilization re requires a re-education and a reimagining of every stakeholder in the provider network. Mm. And so that's where I think the headwind, I think the tech works. Yeah. I think the concept is spot on, whether it's sales, clinical trials, digital scrubbing, it makes sense, it's a no brainer. But how do we get that changed? And I think it's probably gotta be somebody like an AT&T or a telecom play that brings that in and has the resources to change the culture digitally or else you're dumping a digital solution on an institutionalized sort of entity, and mm -hmm. I don't know how that works its way through. And the hospitals, I think, are still somewhat in crisis mode, or, or they're still recovering from, from COVID. Right, but it's not a capex, so it actually is medicine they need. Right, but if they're too exhausted to even take the time that, I mean, we're, we know people who are 
bringing in Salesforce, which is great, but the training that goes behind Salesforce is extraordinary. Oh, and I see, and they're already yeah. overworked. Yeah. And so I think the way you have to get that is, how do you leverage and bribe the payers to drive that through? Yeah, good point, yeah. So, Sean, what did we hear in, uh, in the diabetes room? It, it actually played directly into Kayleen's point about collaboration. Mm -hmm. uh, both presentations, uh, Insulate was about the development of the Omnipod 5, Abbott sort of, how it got to where it is with its Freestyle Libre and what the next steps are. And they both spent a lot of time crediting partners, you know, other companies they've collaborated with, Insulate obviously with Dexcom and Abbott and integrating CGM into automated insulin delivery. Uh, Abbott likewise with Insulate, Novo Nordisk and Pens, mm -hmm. Bigfoot Biomedical, which it actually just bought. So a lot of collaboration on that front. And then a lot of questions, if you want to play into overall themes, a lot of questions about digital and AI. It won't really go away. And uh, sort of on everyone's mind is the buzzword. So the, the, that's sort of the takeaway, I thought. Questions as to whether it would provide benefit or questions as to this is definitely coming and we're not sure where we're going? All of the above, yeah. yeah, yeah. How are you folding this in? How are you putting this in the mix? You know. Is it worth it? I don't know. I didn't get to sit in the presentation by Pristine Surgical, but I understand it was pretty... Did anyone get to sit on that technical forum this morning? But I, I was in there, but... If I mean, they, he, he, I talked to Siddharth Desai after, and just talk, they're talking about their use of AI and, and, and bringing it into the scopes and sort of the data collection there as well. It sounds like they're creating a whole new class of things that I wasn't even aware existed. Yeah, definitely, and a lot of the questions around that were, you know, security around the data. What, yep. what exactly are you doing with it? You know putting it into these models and just kind of letting it fly or is there moderation of these models? It's, yeah, a lot of questions and frankly, some of it goes over my head. But. Yeah, no, that's, that's mine as well. You know, one thing that struck me was how many of the sessions where when the company spoke about what, where they were, gonna, what, what was next with their innovation, it inevitably went to software and artificial intelligence. Like I, I wasn't hearing as much about hardware, like for example, like uh, the Ascensa surgical talk, they were talking about I mean, the next generation Luna system, and there, there's all kinds of neat innovations they're doing with the hardware, but you know, one, one thing was that that system, they're not building it just for the next year, they're building that to be a system for them for 10 years, and you know, their future innovation is going to be software that they're, you know, putting around that system. That's interesting. I, I really enjoyed the opening conversation with Julie Tyler of Abbott, uh, just sort of unpacking how she approach taking over at Abbott Vascular and, and going through the assessment of where they needed to go and, and, and what they needed to acquire and how that needed and how they needed the products needed to bring in, how that led to the acquisitions of, of CSI. So I really, I really am grateful to folks who come in here and unpack their thought process and their process of, of putting these together, these companies together. Uh, and I thought the keynote with, uh, with Fred Koshavi was great as well. And, and to the point about diversity, I think, he, I think everyone in the room wasn't sure where he was going when he said this might be a sexist comment, but, and I fortunately had a pre-call with him, so I knew, I forgot for a second where it was going, and then I remember where it was going, so I started breathing again. But his point I thought was great, that like, the, the real change is not gonna come until women are in more positions of influence because they bring that different perspective and they bring that more holistic view and they bring that different, different perspective than the, the, the hammer and nails uh, point of view that, that men bring in. So, uh, I thought that was a, a high point of the day, and it certainly ended day one on, on a strong note. Uh, Joe, any other? When we'll just kind of bounce around again for yeah, a second. Yeah, I, I want to touch on the, the robotics thing, and, and 
you know, you, you did a yeoman's job of trying to get Hani to admit to something, um, but he wouldn't. But, but I, think, I think that the robotics space itself is primed for a revolution right now. I think form factors, I think pay, uh, centers of care, um, I think that uh, the simplification, as we talked about in my panel of robots, is going to drive a higher adoption. Um, I just don't know if, the way I look at it is, I, I think the big strategics need to sort of be the portal of surgical robotics and not the creator. Mm -hmm. Because by design, th there's too many cooks in the kitchen, if you've ever worked with any of the big players. And they're great in some things and, and less than optimal in others. And I, and I, and I want to see them as the, they stand it up, they finance it, they service it, um, they have the KOL relationships, but when you have a moon and a distal um, and a vicarious, that's a tough fight to finance that all yourself and mm -hmm. have enough ramp and uptake. So I think they're going to become sort of like the car dealerships. I think they're going to offer the financing. I think they're going to offer the bundling. Um, and they'll have a rev share, talking about your collaboration. They'll have a collaborative relationship with these creators of surgical robotic platforms because the cycle innovation is so rapid right now, mm -hmm. the big strategics can't keep up with it. Mm. They shouldn't keep up with it. Their distribution support are of it. So I think you're gonna have a change of, over the next five or 10 years where they're the dealership of surgical robotics and then become the pathway through. And that'll allow acquisitions to come in at a much lower rate because you're not going to have to build up clinical. It's almost a build to buy play. So if I went to J&J &J, said, if I can get you a robot that does this, and I do this, this, and this, will you help me with clinicals? And can we use your commercial team and let's do a rev share? J&J &J would be brilliant to do that because it would really be difficult to offset their distribution and support network. So that's what, I, that's what I heard hints of while I was here this weekend, too. Interesting. We'll, we'll go to Kayleen in a moment, but to Hani Albuhaka, the, the, the group chairman of digital and robotics at Johnson Johnson MedTech was our closing keynote. And uh, he did say that there's Otava news coming later this year, and maybe you already know what it is. He wouldn't tell us what it is. He, Joe is, this is a podcast. No one can see Joe's chest, his wry smile, but uh, we'll let it be. Uh, but I also asked him if if J&J uh, &J would have a soft tissue surgical system within the next five years, and he indicated that that's what he's there for. So, you know, I take that as all systems go there. But again, you probably know things that I don't know. So, but there is there does seem to be direction there, and it really I did enjoy my conversation with him and his perspective on on global global situations. You know, I I, I noticed the word digital, the term digital surgery was was all over the place on our agenda this uh, this go around, including two panels right next to each other. And I was like, oh, no, which one is which? Like, I forget which is. So it's it's a term that I think we need to further sort of parse and, and, and define. Uh, Kayleen, you, what was another takeaway? If you want to continue on this thread, feel free. If you want to take us in a different direction, go right ahead. Well, I actually just wanted a second what Joe's talking about. So I've also heard... Uh, I've inferred similar uh, implications, kind of these large OEMs potentially being kind of the supporters, and you use a great analogy, and I'm not going to restate it, um, but I had met with Rebecca Whitney of Zimvi, and then um, I'd, I met with some of the several members of Intuitive and Intuitive Ventures, and there was this kind of openness that I hadn't really heard before, saying that we will share our clinical affairs 
to fill that hole, if you fill this hole, and it sounded to me like it was almost this, come to us with um, this idea that fills a hole or fills a gap in our portfolio, and we will use our resources to try to accelerate that. And I hadn't really heard that before, so as soon as you were starting to talk about your analogy and your observation, I went, oh, I pieced that together. I think that is something that we can look forward to. And I welcome it. No, it's a build to buy, so it's a classic revival healthcare, that, right? They're, they're notorious mm -hmm. for that, they're behind distal. So what they're doing, and we're gonna see more of this, and I think, and they're PE, they're not venture. So <clears throat> you'll have these robotic companies that will have a technology and, and, and like a revival will go to a strategic and say, if I can do this, this, and this, will you buy this? Because imagine sitting here if you were Moon or Distal or Vicarious, you're building a billion dollar platform, arguably, all said and done. By the time you go financing, you mm -hmm. stand up a sales force, you run through clinicals, everything, right? Let's just say, okay, 700 million. And you still don't have a buyer. Where else in the world do you do things like that? Right. Yeah. Yep. And so that's not a sustainable model. And so I do think you're gonna see, see more of that come down. And, and, and I just wanna jump on one other thing and Dave, on the Dave Rose's session, which I love, by the way. Oh. I, I think Dave, Dave's fantastic and you did a really good job and, and Dave was pretty clear on that. Dave said something really interesting. He said, so right now surgical robotic companies have to focus on outside the body because does their form factor work, right? Mm -hmm. And you talk about all the features. He said, but inside the body where you can inform and advise the surgeon what they see and what they touch. And it's a chicken and egg because they've got, they've got the hub and a census has uh, the ISU. And both of those are the only two cleared soft tissue robots in the US right now, so to speak, yep. right? And so they're able to start to get massive case data that then gives advisement to the surgeon. So the head start there and the catch up factor on what Dave said is, the advisement of inform me where I am right now, either margins, stay out zones, right? Ability to measure, ability to have precise, where do I start the staple line? All of that, you can't get that, you can't train your algorithm if you don't have massive data sets on that. And I think that that is going to create even a further distance um, on the Ascensus and Intuitive. Yeah, and yes, I'm putting them both in the same mm. because I think what, Anthony Fernando is doing at a census is very, very meaningful. And too many people have got Senhance in their head with a census transenterics. And I, and I think that that organization right now is being underclubbed. And as surgical robotic platforms, the complex ones start to fall off year after year. I think that Anthony's doing the right thing and he's gonna get a lot of attention there. Yeah, we'll see. Chris, you'll get next shot. Does anyone in the audience wanna say something or ask something? If so, I'll come over with the microphone. Okay. If you do, just throw up your hands and uh, we'll have a shot. Chris, one more takeaway. I think we'll probably, we've got 10 minutes left. We'll, we'll kind of go around the horn one more time. And it can be anything. It can be a nice moment. It can be a, a, a lesson learned. Uh, anything else from the day? Just an overall assessment of the, of the two days. It's up to you. I would just say that, you know, I would, you know, like just the attendance was, you know, just so much higher this year. Um, yeah. just, just a lot of energy, a lot of buzz, and, you know, just a lot of good insights. You know, this, it's just been a... Yeah, it's just been a great two days. People were very happy. Yeah. It was yeah. very, it was very, I, we mentioned the, 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 the tour of Shifa, and that was a great way to start Tuesday. A, uh, another great way to end it was the cocktail reception we had to start. And all honestly, we said, oh, let's give it a try, see who shows up. It was great energy, it was full. A lot of people having a good time. Uh, we had to go over to the Goodwin dinner. I didn't really want to leave because it was just a lot of great folks to, uh, to meet. So 
Uh, no, I agree. It was it was definitely a lot of good stuff. Sean, any? Uh... Well, I kind of threw away both my takeaways on the first try, but <laughs> no, um, I, I'll piggyback off that and say that, that everything was well attended. I really enjoyed. I was trying to find space in um, Catherine Rieger's intuitive right. panel yesterday, presentation yesterday, standing room, you know. Yep. And so I just, yeah, it was nice to see all the energy and enjoyable, enjoyable two days. Good, 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 good. Kayleen, you have any thoughts? Yeah. And I, this wasn't planned, but it is a shameless device talks plug. No, we can't have any of those on this podcast. Uh, if not here, where? Uh, but it really just, it, it just happened to work out this way. So uh, I was behind the camera for the majority of the two days. Uh, so I had the privilege of being in the exhibitor floor, kind of hearing people talk about, hey, there's this recording studio. And here I am talking about, talking with Joe Mullings, who is my recording studio hero. Uh, <laughs> Mine so. too, by the way. <laughs> I'm preaching them. This is my church right here. Um, but what was really interesting was there was kind of two messages that came over these two days, and it was really targeted on media. And it was video media, so kind of getting your voice out there and how to do that and the importance of that in a way that I've never seen before. And before, it felt like I was convincing people, pushing them, and get, I'm preaching the converted here, Joe, I'm going to push people through the door, trust me, come with me on this. And now it was like... I am behind on this. How do I do this? How do I break through you know, this um, white noise and get my message out here? Again, I'm speaking your language, Joe. Um, and the second part, which is actually a surprise to me and really a testament to you, Tom, so if I'm passing around compliments, you're next. Thank you. Uh, the in-person element. And um, I've, I'm a huge proponent of you know, virtual, virtual, virtual. The sense that I got today is that you cannot move forward unless you are face-to-face. -face. And these industry events are really important and, and a really important way to do that and have conversations that you wouldn't be able to have through a screen. So it was, how do I get my message to a broader audience? But then also, how do I go one-on-one -on -one with the people I need to get in front of to move myself and my, and by me and my, I mean medtech, uh, you know, move us forward? So for me, it was really encouraging to think that there is still not only a place for in-person, but there's an absolute need and an appetite for it. So I'm excited to see what next year brings in Device Talks Boston. It's going to only grow from my prediction. No, I, I agree. And I actually, I pulled up my phone because I took a picture of it. I walked into the foyer and there was someone with a camera set up with the light. I'm like, who the heck is that? I'm like, this is our show. We have the lights <laughs> and the cameras. But it was Boston Scientific. They were coming to record a message. It was rough from who was going to be in the, on the, the neuromodulation panel. And they were recording something for their internal newsletter. With the, and it, I'll have to say the gentleman doing the interview was pretty good. It's kind of scary that you can run a global business and and interview people because interviewing people yeah. is so hard. Yeah. I want to jump on Kayleen's and then uh, hand it over to you, Tom. So our organization talks about what shows should, should you go to every year, right? And there's two types of shows. There's the, you can get access to the key people in certain shows, and it's the Avamed show, in mm -hmm. our opinion, um, Scott Pantel's LSI show, sure. and Device Talks. Like, I'm, and I'm not well, saying that because, you. you know, of our relationship. Uh, I was waiting for you to say, and then there's your show. <laughs> but, <laughs> no, but, but your ability to have, and then there's the booth shows. Like I'm at NAS tomorrow, I'm at TCT next yeah. week. Those are good shows, but those are booth shows where you're dealing with salespeople, clinical people, and you're walking the floor. The executives of the mid caps and the large strategic and the startups 
are very hard to get access to, yet you're bumping into them in all the hallways here. Same thing with Avamed, with Scott Whitaker's show, right, that, that he runs once a year. And then uh, Pantel runs a good one, OUS, as well as Dana Point. So, you know, I would just strongly advise, and I, and I did this to a number of startup CEOs who had never been to Avamed before, and now to your show. I strongly advise that if you've got a budget and you're a startup person, those are the shows that you need to go to without exception. Um, because the pound for pound engagement you get is just unmatched. So just that's a tip of the that. hat to you and your team. We we fight to keep the price low too. It's six ninety five. I think it's something that people can handle. But it is, we we do try to service everybody. I met some entrepreneurs out here. Even though we didn't dedicate a lot of content to them, they did. There were some. And and just to, to break from your point, I want to go back to it. But I talked to one gentleman who's just saying how hard it is to start companies now, and he thinks it's harder than it was ten years ago. And I think he's right. I mean, I think he's definitely right. I think there's so many more boxes you have to check. I think the capital isn't is as effective. It's hard just to start a company. So I think if we can create something that makes it easier for them, we certainly should. And we'll be doing that in Boston. Paul Grand is our chomping at the bit to to get going. It uh, he he wants more space. Paul wants more space at Boston. And I think we might have to accommodate him because it was a big part of the show. Uh, and we get to accommodate him, not we have to accommodate him. But uh, Kaylee, to your point and to the point of the video, I, I do, I, I'll admit after the pandemic, I was like, do we really have to put on suits anymore? I mean, I really like this webinar stuff. This is great. And the podcasts are a lot of fun. And I wasn't sure if we'd get back to where we were. But after these two days and the two days in Boston, uh, I think we definitely need to have in-person, but I do think we need to marry the digital and the video like you do, Joe, at, at all the big meetings that we're trying to do here at Device Talks because folks in the audience have stories to tell as well and not all of them are going to be on stage and we want to afford them the chance to, to get their messaging out. So that's something we're going to commit ourselves to doing over the, over the next year as well. Joe, I'm gonna, you, you made a point off, off mic. You know, you, DeVos, Boston's our bigger meeting. You said you like this one a little better. And I'm a Boston Defend yourself, guy. Defend yourself. Well, first of all, to my Beantown boys, and I said on the board of Mathematic, I love Boston. Let's just get that straight. <laughs> but it's a different vibe. It's not, it, it, it's just a different, better. It's, it's, this is, this has got a swagger to it mm. where Boston has this strong foundation. There's a little, there's more wire walkers out here. Yeah. Right. And, and so it's, it's just a different vibe altogether. And, and if you've done business in the Bay Area or Cali, when you've done business in Boston, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, absolutely. Right, and and it's just so so it's nice not it's not to have a two, a Boston 2.0, right? But it's really a compliment to you that you're able to deploy an event like this um, with two different sort of uh, vibes to it. So yeah, and right. and you know my Boston people will forgive me. <laughs> I'm I'm still learning. I was trying to wear a tie to MedTech Vision, and Kayleen's like. Just, just lose West the, Coast, no. Lose the tie. It's West Coast. Like, good God, man. Although you, oh. you look great in the tie, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> Not you. I'm talking about me. Uh, well, I think, uh, I think that wraps it up there. We got the timer here. I think another high point is nobody left while we were doing this at all. Good you? sign. <laughs> Tom, Tom, there's two, two people walking out. There's two us. people right. here, Tom. Both of you are still here, so thank you very much. Are two people here? No, there's more people here. Hi, Mom. Hi, Dad. <laughs> But uh, well, thank you to our esteemed panel for offering your insights on Device Talks West. Thanks for everyone who participated in the event over the past two days. And of course, thank you to the hundreds of you who are still in the audience here. <laughs> all right, dozen, two dozen, dozen. Plenty of people. We love you all. Thank you for being part of this, uh, this silly podcast.